Well, good morning, everyone. Morning. Excellent. Excellent. Good morning, everybody. And it's great to be here. Before we get stuck into it today, let's just start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather here today. We thank you that we can worship here together. We thank you that we can praise your name and hear your word. Allow your word to flow through me and your message to be reached by everyone here today. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. It's a bit different with you all, just a bit closer and almost have to take a step back. I don't know. I'll get, I'll get used to it. You know, I don't want to go too close because I don't know. I feel like I'm imposing or something like that. But for those that haven't been here over the past two weeks, we are currently halfway through our new sermon series called Big Change. And in this series, we look at characters in the Bible that have undergone change. Uh, specifically, they've gone through a name change. Last week, Liz took us on an in-depth look at Sarah from the book of Genesis. And this week, oh, and the week before that, I looked at Simon Peter. This week, obviously, you get to hear from myself again, and we will be jumping back into the book of Genesis, looking at the life of Jacob. Now, I don't know if you guys experience this, but whenever I, when I sat down to write this talk, this sermon, I discovered that I didn't know much about Jacob, that I only really knew the bare basics of him, the most sort of common things, like he is the grandson of Abraham and Sarah, that he had this dream about a ladder and angels, that his youngest son is named Joseph and Joseph had this colourful coat, and that jo jo uh, Jacob wrestled with God. Now that last point, Jacob wrestling with God, is what we'll be focusing on here today. Is that, is that better? Hey, there we go. You can all hear me now. Now, I don't know about you guys, but there's a lot of times when I know of biblical characters, but I don't really know anything about them. I know their name and that's about, that's about it. And it's quite fun to discover when this, when you actually don't know something. Because you get to go on this deep dive into, into this character and learn more about them. And I spent an, an entire day just learning about the life of Jacob from his birth all the way to his death. And I encourage you guys that if there's something in the Bible or if there's something in life that you don't know about, go and research it. Go and expand your knowledge on that topic. It's quite fun to do. Now, before we go too far, let's read today's passage. So today's passage comes from Genesis 32, 22 to 32. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his 11 sons across the Jacob River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip stretching it out of his socket. Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name is no longer Jacob, the man told him. From now on you will be called Israel, because you have fought God 
with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun will rise as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of his injuries to his hip. Even today, the people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. Now, this story that we've just heard, this passage that we've just read, it's quite a wild one, in, and it's quite up there in terms of the wildness of these, of these stories that we find in the Bible. And before we unpack this sort of passage, let's just have a brief, broad overview of Jacob's life. And bear with me, this is just going to be the very bare basics of Jacob's life, and it's only going to be up until where Jacob wrestles this man. So, Jacob is the son of Isaac. Isaac is the son of Abraham and Sarah, making Jacob the grandson of Sarah. Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. Now, technically, Esau and Jacob are twins, but because Esau was born first, Esau is always referred to as the older brother. Jacob, name means ankle grabber as when Jacob was being born, he was holding on to Esau's ankle. Isaac always favoured Esau over Jacob. Esau was strong, rugged, charismatic, and a good hunter. Esau would work hard to get what he was owed. However, on the other hand, Jacob was a bit of an ankle grabber, as his name would suggest. He would con his way through life, deceiving everyone and getting deceiving everyone to get what he wanted. Jacob even deceived his own brother to get the portion of his own inheritance, and he would then go on to deceive his father to get Esau's blessing. This is a story where Jacob would dress himself up looking like Esau to con his father to get his father's blessing, because it was originally meant to go to Esau. When Jacob was sent away to go find a wife, Jacob had this dream about a ladder with these angels hanging off of it. And this is an entirely different discussion and a different time to try and unpack what that dream means. So we'll just bookmark it there and we'll get back to it at a different time. After arriving at the land of Aaron, Jacob married two women, Leah and Rachel. With his two wives and their handmaids, Jacob would go on to have 12 sons and one daughter. Now, potentially there were more than two daughters, but records only recount Jacob only ever having one daughter. Jacob's sick of living with his father-in-law under his father-in-law's sort of oppression. He would have to deceive his father-in-law to escape his clutches. Successfully doing this, he would travel with his family and and his livestock back to his homeland. On the journey back home, Jacob would send out a message to Esau to perhaps rebuild their brotherly relationship. However, when the messenger came back, they said that Esau would meet Jacob and his family with an army of 500 men. Now, apparently Esau did not want to rebuild their relationship, and 500 men, I don't think, is a very welcoming sight. Terrified this, rightly so, Jacob would send Esau gifts trying to calm 
Esau's rage. He would send portions of his livestock out to Esau, hopefully to as a peace offering to hopefully rebuild their relationship. And this is where we get up to the point of the story where Jacob wrestles with God. In verse 22, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives with his two servant wives and his 11 sons across the Jacob River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. He left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came up and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of his socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. So here we have God in a physical form, in or what other sort of texts say is in a... In the, angel, in the form of the angel of the Lord. Some other texts sort of say that Jacob was wrestling an angel. But nevertheless, we know that Jacob was wrestling with God. And he's wrestling with him, in a, in a, as I said, in a physical form. It's not a conversation. It's not an argument. It's literally two men in the dirt holding each other, grappling with each other. And Jacob goes toe-to-toe with God. It says in verse 24, This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. Until dawn. This is the middle of the night. Jacob probably petrified by what might happen to his family with his brother coming to kill them. So he probably couldn't sleep. So in the middle of the night, sends his family away, and this man comes up and wrestles with him. All the way until dawn. This isn't like a five-minute match. This isn't a half an hour, hour. This is probably hours that this went on all the way until the sun rose. In verse 25, when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenching it out of his socket, then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. Now, personally, I think this is a bit dirty of God. Like, God is all-powerful and and mighty, and with a single touch, he just dislocates Jacob's hip. Like, that's that's cheating, right? Like, I mean, it's God, right? He can do what he wants. He can do what he pleases. He's all-powerful. But despite Jacob having a dislocated hip, Jacob, with his great strength, would not let go. He had great determination in this, and this sort of shows the capabilities of what Jacob was capable of, he wouldn't let go. Furthermore, through his determination, Jacob demanded God that he give him a blessing. Then Jacob would let go. God gave Jacob this blessing and changed Jacob's name to Israel, which means struggle with God. Jacob went from being an ankle grabber, a deceiver, to being Israel, someone who struggled with God and won. See, this story about Jacob is an interesting one. It's a, it's a wild one at the same time. Like, quite, quite frankly, it's also a bit random. All of a sudden, God comes out of nowhere, and instead of having a conversation with Jacob or appearing to him, in a, in a sort of a different form, they just straight up wrestle. But the question that plagues me 
with all this is that what does this mean for us? This is great and all that we get to sort of read about our history, we get to go through it all, we get to see the recounts. But what can we take away from this? No, not yet. Not that slide yet. See, now, the most obvious point that we can take away from this story is that we live our lives wrestling with God. And we see many biblical characters doing this. All you have to look at is Jonah. Jonah was commanded to go to Nineveh, and then Jonah got swallowed by a whale or a big fish. And he's a classic example of someone going, God, you want me to go over there? Yeah, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go that way. And we go through life through ups and downs, wrestling with God, arguing with him about what he wants us to do, wrestling with his commands. However, in this story, it's a bit different. See, Jacob didn't go out of his way to wrestle with God. God was the one that came up to Jacob and wrestled with him. It says in verse 24, this left Jacob alone in the camp. And a man came up and wrestled with him. A man came up and wrestled with him. It wasn't Jacob was alone in the camp, just standing there, saw a man in the distance and going, I'm going to go fight that guy. No, it was the other way around. God came up, saw Jacob there alone and decided to wrestle with him. It was God that went up to Jacob. And see, it's this point in the story that really stood out to me. And now I'm grappling, wrestling with this question. Why would God wrestle with us? We wrestle and argue with God and all the time. So why would God go out of his way to wrestle with us? Why would God go out of his way to wrestle with us? Now, this is sort of a strange concept to think about, and it's a really one, a hard one to sort of wrap our heads around. And I really don't want to blame God for my own hardships. I want to praise him for all his glory that he brings me. But as we can see here, Jacob, well, sorry, God was the one that wrestled with Jacob. So some commentators speculate that Jacob was so focused on getting his family away, getting away from his father-in-law and not being wanting to get killed by his own brother that he lost sight of God in all of this. That God knew that the only way to get Jacob's attention was to physically wrestle with him. And I think this happens to us today as well. You see, for us, we can get caught up in the busyness of life and we can lose sight in all and we can lose sight of God in all of it. And this leads me to my first point. We can now put that point up. God wrestles with us to focus on Him. God wrestles with us to focus on Him. The busyness of our own life circumstances tend to hinder our relationship with God. 
And it's only through trials that God encourages us to spend more time with him. God wanted to do something with Jacob's life. And in order to do this, he needed to be alone with Jacob. And he needed to appear to him in a dramatic way. Like Jacob, we can become too consumed by life and our own circumstances that we don't see God's work in any of it. We miss him reaching out to us. And so that the only way that God can communicate to us is by wrestling with us. See, God uses our trials in our life to mould us into the person that he wants us to be. God wrestles with us to focus on him. So I ask you this question. What events in your life has God put in place in order for you to focus on him? What events in your life has God put in place in order for you to focus on him? Romans 8.28 says this, And now we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Let me say that again. And we know that God's, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and we are, we are called according to the purpose for them. Secondly, my second point. God wrestles with us to highlight our weaknesses and our need for him. God wrestles with us to highlight our weaknesses and our need for him. See, whilst Jacob was wrestling with God, he didn't give up. And nor should we. As a result, God touched Jacob's hip, dislocating it, taking away his strength. You see, in wrestling, a lot of power comes from the hips and the lower legs. And this is to do with sort of like the, rest, the sport of, of wrestling. And it's, it's a very lower body sort of centric sport. And see, God took away the advantage that Jacob had. And Jacob lost the fight. But he still held on. See, God can do this to us too. Oftentimes we are blinded by our own strengths. When we are strong, we can often forget about God. God often has to touch our own strengths, our egos and our confidences so that we can get perspective on a situation, so that we can realise that we cannot do this alone, that above all we need God's strength as well as our own strength because our strength comes from God. For some people, God will wrestle with our intelligence, our bodies, our finances, our relationships. He doesn't want to take them away or he's not making them worse. No, 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 don't get me wrong. He's not making the situation worse. But what he's doing he's, he's, is he's identifying our weaknesses. He's identifying the areas that we need to work on. For in our weaknesses, that is when we really need to ask God for help. God wrestles with us to highlight our weaknesses and our need for him. 
So I ask you this question, what strengths do you have that are distracting you from God? What strengths do you have that are distracting you from God? See, it is through our saving grace of Jesus Christ that we are saved. It is through Jesus we are saved and that he is there in our weaknesses. If you want Jesus to be there in your life to help you in your weaknesses, all you have to do is invite him into your life. Accept his saving grace and have that relationship with him. Jesus died for our sins so that he could take on our burdens and our weaknesses. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness, so that the power of Christ can work through me. So that the power of Christ can work through me, can work through us. So as I wrap up, let me just leave this, leave you with these two points and these two questions. God wrestles with us to focus on him. God wrestles with us to focus on him. I ask you, what event in your life has God put in place in order for you to focus on him? What event in your life has God put in place in order for you to focus on him? And secondly, God wrestles with us to highlight our weaknesses and our need for him. So I ask, what strengths do you have that are distracting you from God? What strengths do you have that are distracting you from God? Let me just end in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your servant Jacob. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Help us not to stray off the path and allow our eyes to be fixed on you, Lord. Help us in our distractions and our temptations. Allow us to see everything that you do, Lord. Humble us, Lord, so that you may ask for help, that we may ask for help, as it is through the sacrifice of your Son that we find strength, Lord. Allow your kingdom to be done in this earth, Lord, and help us see your great plan come true. For the glory and the power is all yours, Lord. We praise you, we love you, and we do all this, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.